Are you looking for a podcast that will feed you a fine diet of cereal mascots, product jingles, and incessant advertising campaigns? You're my little boy. Zoom, zoom. Did he have a secret? <laughs> and that secret? Zoom, zoom. zoom. <laughs> what was he trying? Was he trying to warn us? Zoom, zoom. Ad Creeps is a brand new podcast that dissects and corrects the TV advertisements that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. Each week, one of the hosts will surprise the other with the amazing hidden history of a notorious advertising campaign. It took 10 years to reveal that he was really America's ambassador of fun. <laughs> what could that possibly mean? Not only will they tell you buck wild stories about the commercials you know and love, the hosts will also breathe new life into old ads. We're downtown in yeah. a city. Uh-huh. Uh, a young kid has a McFlurry in hand. Uh-huh. He takes a bite, looks at it, and whips it at a cop. <laughs> ba 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 bum bum. I'm doing my best. Ad Creeps is a show where two queer, trans, and non-binary best friends shoot the shit for half an hour each week, chatting about childhood, nostalgia, and their weird relationship with themselves, each other, and gender. I'm not a girl. I'm not a boy. I'm cartoon fruit. Oh, I'm absolutely cartoon fruit. (laughs) That's the Ad Creeps Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. On the Slay Queens podcast, we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. This isn't just a cheesy catchphrase. It is a note to remember that the topics we discuss can be very graphic and lurid in nature. Listener discretion has been advised. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. We're here. We are queer. And we're making a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We totally are. We are. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Ashley. This is the Slay Queens Podcast. And remind myself and all the listeners what it is that we do here at the Slay Queens Podcast. We take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. That does sound familiar. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I'm that so glad you familiar. asked. I also seem to remember something about shenanigans and tomfoolery. All of the shenanigans and tomfoolery. And uh, I find that information ought to be very titillating. Yes, titillating tales of tomfoolery. <laughs> There you go. We got it all in in under 41 seconds. I love it. We did it. It's not our best, but it is not our worst. That is, that, you know what? We don't need to, sometimes your laurel is a good place to rest. <laughs> I love that. Just put that on my gravestone. Please, by all means. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to all the queens, kings, and folks here to the Slate Queens podcast, where we do, in fact, take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. She's your host, Ashley. He is your host, Wayne. And I'm not really sure why I decided to do that. But <laughs> I liked it, it though. It just, it just felt very natural it and I went it, with I, it. You know, I picked up with you. I like it. Yes. Yes. You I'm always definitely here to support kept you. up. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And you do it so extremely well. Oh, thank you. Do you know what else you do very well? Per use. Per use. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's per exactly. Let's per use. Per use, we are going to dive into a rainbow star, shall we? We shall. All right. If you are new to the program, hi, welcome. This is the Slay Queens podcast, and not only do we do the aforementioned things, but we also dive into a rainbow star. Rainbow because we are queer, star because we give spotlights. 
thank yous, we make announcements or acknowledgements, and we offer you folks recommendations. And per use, per use, <laughs> we got two of them in. We did. Per use, I will be kicking us off. And this week, we would like to spotlight the podcast Wine, Dine, and Story Time. They are friends of ours on the Twitter. They show us just an amazing amount of love and support on that platform, and we recommend their podcast to you folks. A basic description of their podcast is true crime that shares food and wine recommendations while telling a collection of incredible true stories. It's kind of like Dateline meets 60 Minutes meets Oprah meets Rachel Ray, only without the investigative journalism or professionalism, (laughs) (laughs) which I absolutely love. I'm already hooked. I wish we were as clever in our descriptions and delivery. Absolutely. <laughs> that is like, that just piqued all of my interest. Absolutely. I like all those words. Mm-hmm, I do. <laughs> Most definitely. All right, Ashley, I hear a little birdie has told me that you have a very, very extra <laughs> special thank you to offer this week. It is. We're going to do snaps for Sierra, like we like to say, but we do. Our thank you this episode is to my good old fiance, Sierra, because if it weren't for her and four hours one day and then picking up another day of sifting through court documents, I wouldn't have much of an update for everybody. So thank you, Sierra, because she was for sure like, I'm the research queen this week, but she's the research king, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she is she killing is. it. Yes. Snaps for Sierra. We Snaps. thank you for making this this episode possible. Making today. it possible, yeah, yeah. For making it a lot more interesting because the tea is scalding again. Oh. Yes. I love how this keeps happening. Uh-huh. And it just adds just a better feeling for me about the format that we're giving the folks this A little bit something season. extra. Exactly. You know, we're telling a story in the way it's already been kind of told and then mm-hmm. elaborating, but then extra elaboration. Exactly. It's like we're doing two jobs now and not just one. You know, the questions people always have, well, we're going to answer them for you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. So do we have any announcements or acknowledgements this week? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think we do either. Yeah. I would like maybe to announce the fact that I know that we address the fact that we do have a merch store. We would love it if you folks would go out and make purchases. The last time we recommended it, we talked about the fact that we weren't super down with the fact that that particular platform, though we're not speaking negatively of them, we just don't love the fact that that particular platform makes us identify clothing as male or female. Mm -hmm. So we are in the process of moving to a different platform where hopefully that won't be the case so stay tuned for that stay tuned for changes with regard to the merch store but i don't have anything more concrete to offer you at the moment solid but it's in motion yeah it's in motion we're definitely we can acknowledge that for sure Yeah. yeah and what about recommendations I would like to recommend a show that you actually had pointed out to me before because there was an episode that we may cover and it didn't dawn on me until after I started watching this show that it was a show you had recommended (laughs) after I recommended it to you. You're like, yeah, I know this. I told you about one. (laughs) No, I'm literally throwing stuff at you constantly. It's true. It's true. So you you would be superhuman if you remembered everything. I'm glad you can appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But it is on, it's an an investigation discovery show, but I watch it on Hulu and it's called The 1990s, The Deadliest Decade. And number one, I've recommended it even to people who don't like true crime or like even clients that like, they're like, oh, I can't stand that stuff. I'm like, okay, just 
at least watch the like 30 second opening sequence mm-hmm. because it's just so nostalgic. I mean, you see Princess Diana, you see Bill Clinton and the I did not have sexual relations, you know, <laughs> With you see girl. a Nokia phone yeah. and, and it's just it's just so nostalgic. Oh, and the song Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve is like what's playing as the theme song. Of just... course it would be. Absolutely. It would I... be that or Time of Your Life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. By Green and Day. I'm pretty sure they even use that in one of the yeah. yeah one of the episodes. But honestly, so there's ten episodes. I have since watched all of them. Three cases have queer elements to them. So I mean, one of which, of course, I I think we're gonna cover. So I'm not gonna spoiler alert it. But the show's great. I mean, it's done really well. It's a great docu series type. And I mean, even if it's stuff that you know about, I learned things about cases that I already knew about. I would say I only knew about two of them. Yeah surprisingly so it's really cool to i mean there's such big cases that you're just like wow how did i not know about this probably because i was four i don't know well (laughs) and it's it's really really great when shows can do that because there are only so many ways you can tell a story and something that there won't be any updates we've been fortunate enough on our platform that we have been finding cases that have a a reasonable amount of update or or something new that we can add but it's it's difficult to keep telling the same story over and over and over again in a different way so kudos to any show that can do that yeah i definitely recommend though 10 out of 10 just loved it such a good docuseries and it sounds like it not only has something that would be appealing for the true crime fans but also to 90s kids yes totally it's so nostalgic trigger warning though episode two is a good one it's just it's an intense case (laughs) it's an intense case so anybody who maybe like has that you know i can deal with a lot of things but you know perhaps children are not one of them yeah go ahead and skip that one i'll tell you that it's a great case but it is hard to watch so much like the the case we're going to cover today it's a tough one yeah it really is and you and i talked about it when we decided to do this particular case i was familiar with it because i had watched a different docu-series than the one we're going to be discussing today cover this case Mm -hmm. and it was a much lighter version for lack of a better description it wasn't as intense it was more of a dramatization than the like real life stuff that we see in the episode that we're discussing today yeah and it's tough yeah it really is i went into it thinking i know exactly what's going to happen and i know exactly (laughs) how i'm going to feel about it and sis it was a lot more than that (laughs) yeah it was a lot more than that but i'm happy that we are taking the opportunity to tell this story to the folks yes me too should we take a quick break and then come back we will let's do that okay we are back 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 again that is correct (laughs) yeah i did it that was a very non-peruge non-peruge it's usually me who's the back 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 again i know you gave me a nod though so i I felt like i needed to do something i did no i wanted you to do it i wanted you to do it (laughs) she takes instructions very well you folks Okay, are we ready yes. to dive into this story? I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Okay. And you're the recap queen. We didn't, yeah, we didn't talk about that yet. I am the recap queen. You slash Sierra are yes. the research <laughs> queen this week. That's right. All right, but this is a great story, and we hope that you folks enjoy it. This week, we watched Crime Watch Daily, Landy Martinez. And just a little bit of information about that show. Crime Watch Daily is an American syndicated investigative news magazine series. The show was produced by Telepictures, and it was distributed by Warner Brothers. Its episodes feature a mix of investigative reports, 
true crime stories, and caught-on-camera footage. Crime Watch Daily premiered on September 14th of 2015, and it was actually canceled on June 8th of 2018. Despite that, though, the website and the social media components remain fully active under the new name True Crime Daily, and reruns can be found on just various platforms. The episode we're discussing today is available on truecrimedaily.com, where its description reads, quote, Two tapes of terror, one on video, one just audio, both of them equally gripping, and both of them at the center of a murder investigation involving a young Florida man, end quote. This episode can also be found on YouTube titled The Landy Martinez Case. Yeah, and gripping is a, is, that's a generous adjective. Gripping. Gripping uh, is a bit of an understatement. Shocking. Uh, Gut-wrenching. <laughs> yeah. Jarring. The show opens and we quickly learn that the primary focus of this episode is on a man by the name of Landy Martinez. Landy had been raised in Miami, Florida after moving there with his family from Cuba. At 18 years of age, Landy graduated high school, came out to his loved ones as gay, and moved to St. Petersburg, Florida, where he began working at an assisted living facility. It was there that Landy met a co-worker by the name of Gail Rigg, who would become Landy's best friend. We as the audience have the opportunity to meet Gail, and right off the bat, I don't know about you, but right off the bat, to me, she seemed like the kind of bitch you want to have in your corner. I loved Gail. Yes, yes, yes. Gail was the best. She Mm -hmm. was just really down to earth, really straight talking, not taking anyone's BS kind of gal. That's She totally seems like someone I'd want to be my best friend, for sure. Absolutely. Gail tells us that Landy was great at his job, that he was well-liked by the residents of the assisted living facility, and he was all around just a really great guy. And I believe that. Yeah, I do too. Based on everything that we see, we hear, and we learn about this person, I legitimately believe that he was just a good guy, a great person. Mm -hmm. A ray of sunshine. A ray of sunshine. He lit up a room yes uh, when he walked in <laughs> he was a lover of life all of those all of those things yeah. that the true crime folks say when they tend to say yes. yeah <laughs> despite being happy with his friends and with his job landy wanted more out of life he quote wanted to meet someone special so according to gail he took to the interwebs and he met himself a fella by the name of jose adame i don't know about you ashley but this is actually where i encounter my first red flag Because Gail says that when Landy and Jose decided to meet in person, Landy had to drive to Miami to pick him up. I, yeah, mm mm-hmm, yep. No, sir. For one, yeah, like, I was like, okay, that's a red flag, but also, too, in the back of my mind, I'm like, bitch, you would have done something like that when you were, like, your 20s. I mean, it is what it is. I was a bit lazier than Uh, all that, so I don't know that I would have. I think it's a lesbian thing, though. Like, I think it's, I mean, I got mine in Texas, so. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) But I do, I totally was thinking the same thing. And can we also talk about the fact that, like, I have this little quote here from Gail saying, uh, when she like found out, you know, that Landy was gay, it was kind of like this big thing of like, okay, I'm gay. Here I am. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like That's what yeah. she said. And I was like, that's so cute. How it she was just, very cute. You yeah. know, no big deal. Here we are. Let's go. She literally just shrugged it up like it was nothing. Not a thing. But I don't know. That was the first red flag for me. Totally. I literally am sitting there thinking, I'm going, okay, so I live in St. Pete. You live in Miami. You want to hang out in St. Pete. Okay, fine. You come here. Sure. Or, next option, I was thinking, okay, it would be completely appropriate since we live four hours from each other. I'll we'll just meet, come visit. We'll meet somewhere in the middle. Or that, yeah. Completely appropriate. Absolutely. But you want me to drive four hours to get you and drive four hours back with you 
just so that I can enjoy the pleasure of your company. Yeah, why do we have to be so far away? Yeah, no, sir. No, no, no thank that's you. that. That was a red flag for me, and I understand that everyone's situation and everyone's perspective and what everyone is willing to do or not do in their own lives and own circumstances is different. But for me, this was a red flag. It's a bit excessive. Evidently, though, Landy did not perceive this as a red flag. As a matter of fact, he was reportedly swept off his feet by Jose, his charming Latin lover, and the couple were quickly living together. They rented a room in a home that housed two other couples, the homeowners themselves, as well as another couple who were also renting another room. They were also tenants there. Gail tells us that the relationship between the two men seemed okay, and she used that word specifically, it seemed okay, (laughs) and that she initially liked Jose. He and Gail actually spent a good bit of time together when Landy went to work. And that brings me to red flag number two. Uh, This is not even a red flag. This is like a straight up, like, I don't even know. It's like a a billboard that fell down off the highway and is now right in front of your face. (laughs) (laughs) A billboard that just fell on your face. Yes, exactly. Gail informs us that the conflict between the two men, which is this huge billboard of a red flag. (laughs) Yeah. The conflict between Landy and Jose started when Landy witnessed his boyfriend asking Gail's 11-year-old son, her 11-year-old son, if he wanted to come back to their place to smoke weed and watch porn. Yeah, which really bothered me too. Like, it's a, it's a big part of the story, but it really bothered me for us to have to say it because we've talked about before how so many closed-minded people will associate, you know, pedophilia with homosexuality and that's just not the case at all it's just an unfortunate circumstance in this situation absolutely and i'm glad that you made that distinction yeah i was thinking about it i was like damn it why did he have to do that why couldn't have been something else like why couldn't he have like stolen the kid's phone or something exactly or just left it at hey do you want to smoke weed with us yeah still inappropriate for an 11 year old boy exactly but you had to throw in that like extra creeper component Uh which i did not appreciate So Landy, justifiably, was extremely upset about this and broke off the relationship with Jose. So thank goodness for that. Sure. Landy, still seeking love and companionship, wasted no time, air quotes, getting back out there, and soon found himself dating a man by the name of Jonathan Galicia. According to Gail, the relationship that developed between Landy and Jonathan was overall more loving, more caring, and more cutesy. She actually said. <laughs> With the hearts and the sand. Yeah. All that stuff on yeah, social on media. On social media and the Facebook. Yeah. It was overall more cutesy than the one that Landy had had with Jose. Unfortunately, though, people in Landy's life still had an uneasy feeling about his ex-boyfriend. Now we have the opportunity to meet Detective Ed Judy, who actually throughout the course of the episode, I become a big fan of. So from henceforth, I intend to refer to him as Detective Good Judy. I love that. (laughs) I was wondering what you were going to call him, and that's perfect. Yeah, Detective Good Judy. And the reason I really just grew to appreciate him as a person Mm -hmm. in this story is that he's very clearly, and tell me if you disagree, but I doubt that you will, he's very clearly a cisgender, heterosexual man who speaks very comfortably and competently about the situation, about this situation, which involves a gay male Mm -hmm. love triangle. I agree 100% from the very first thing that he really said about it being that, you know, he thought that he was going to be with the man he loved or something of that nature. And he didn't hiccup. He just kept going. Like, it was just, I just... I, I sat there and I clapped a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I was absolutely. like, good for you. <laughs> because I, you're not used to seeing that. We're, we're not. We've seen actually the polar opposite yes. of that 
on some of these programs that we watched and even some of them that we've covered here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And also he made me believe throughout the course of the episode that he took this case very seriously and he didn't poo-poo any aspect of it just because Mm -hmm. this was the death of a person of color who was also a homosexual. And I just appreciated all of those things. A homosexual immigrant. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, most guys who look like that, you would assume would not take it as seriously. You're right. Exactly. So Good Judy informs us that the people in Landy's life were concerned about Jose to the extent that his housemates were fearful of the man and had a security camera installed. Just as a side note, because it's going to be relevant, it's going to come up again a little bit later. This was the type of security system where you could access and watch the camera footage on your smartphone. So put a little pin in that. And I was going to say, too, this is the first case I feel like that we've really covered where there were cameras and smartphones really brought up, like, in someone's home. Yeah. Because we do so many, like, older cases. I mean, this is mid-2000s, so now those things are available. And I feel like I was thinking about that, too. I was like, that's going to change the way a lot of, like, the cases thus forth kind of happen sometimes, sure. Yeah, that's a really good observation. We do tend to talk about a lot of cases where these technologies weren't available mm-hmm. so yeah maybe maybe we should make it a point to uh to vary it just a little bit yeah it's kind of new for us here yeah. <laughs> yeah. both the narrator of the show along with detective good judy let us know what started out as jose stalking and harassing landy after their relationship broke up red flag red flag red flag soon escalated to something worse jose was apparently in possession of a vehicle that was registered in both he and landy's names he began speeding past a traffic camera, racking up speeding tickets in Landy's name. He did this to the extent that authorities actually contacted Landy, threatening to suspend his driver's license. How passive aggressive. And how just, I don't know, it just seems so juvenile. It is. It truly is. It's very immature. And it's something that I would never have even thought of. No. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not at all. I've definitely heard of people, you know, doing like impulse buys and things. Like if they're married to someone and they know that their husband has a lot of money, they find out he's cheating, they go buy a Lamborghini, right? Yeah. But something like this, it's so juvenile and so like spiteful that I wouldn't have ever considered that being a thing. Well, and it harms him not only in a financial way, but also in a very real, this person is being accused of continually breaking the law. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very it creates, swim fan. <laughs> yeah, it creates a whole lot of issue. Mm-hmm. The narrator says, quote, not to be outdone, Landy concocts a plan of his own, which in queer language just means not to be fucked with. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah. Landy figures out how he can put an end to this BS. He contacts Jose and tells him that he wants to reconcile their relationship. Landy asks Jose if he will meet him at a fast food place so that they can talk about it in person. Jose, unaware that Landy had his name removed from the title of said vehicle, agreed to the meeting. When Jose arrived, he was met by Landy and a sheriff's officer who demanded that Jose turn over the vehicle that he no longer had any legal right to. (laughs) Pop off, sis. Right? (laughs) And my next note is... And Landy, in true I'm that bitch fashion, got into the vehicle and left Jose standing there fuming as he drove away. Listen, this was Landy being like, I can bend, but don't you dare bend a bitch backwards. Exactly. <laughs> and good for him. I mean, it's the, it was the right move to make. It was the I right think. thing to do. It's 
just because you have some sort of emotional or had some sort of emotional attachment to somebody doesn't mean you have to continue to allow them to victimize you. Absolutely. So I think he did the right thing here. Pretty soon, after all the drama, the plotting, planning, and just the overall tomfoolery of the situation between (laughs) Landy and Jose, the new boyfriend, Jonathan, begins to feel insecure about the couple's relationship and about their future. He confronts Landy with those concerns and says that he is afraid that Jose might actually win Landy back, to which Landy says he has no interest in getting back together with Jose and offers to prove it to Jonathan. Peter explained exactly what Landy did to prove to Jonathan that Jose was not a threat to their relationship is retired police Sergeant Robert Snipes. Sergeant Snipes tells us that Landy secretly set up a three-way telephone conversation between he, Jonathan, and Jose. While on the call, Landy informs Jose that he has moved on from their relationship, that he has a new boyfriend, and he has no interest in getting back together. This, of course, is all while Jonathan was silently listening on the third line. And to get that extra (laughs) F-U, low blow, like kick Mm -hmm. to the nuts in, before ending the phone call, Landy reveals to Jose that Jonathan has heard the entire conversation. According to Jonathan, after this, he is satisfied and accepts the fact that the relationship between Landy and Jose has ended. He accepted it and he believed it until he woke up the next morning to a text message from Landy, which read that he had changed his mind, that he was dumping him to get back with Jose. So in Jonathan's mind, Jose has now survived his first three-way calling attack. (laughs) (laughs) And then he wakes up the next day and has a text message from his boyfriend saying, no, 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 I want to be with Jose after all. Yeah, I changed my mind. I want to be with Jose after all. (laughs) Which seems odd, but he was already insecure that this was something that was a possibility. So it's believable for him. So it's believable for him, exactly. I like that they used the word amicable, too. When they said they hung up the phone, everything was amicable. Everything seemed amicable. Okay, everything's okay here, right? No, 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 no. No. We hoped that everything would be okay, but... Suddenly, we cut to four days before Christmas, and we are inside a home. A home which is described by the narrator as, quote, a house where the tree is trimmed and the stockings are hung, but in the bedroom, police find a bloodbath. And if I may speak on that for just a moment, if my life ends and becomes the subject of a documentary or docuseries at some point, and there's mention of anything in my home being hung... (laughs) For the sake of my ego, can you, as my friend Ashley, make sure that they're not talking about the damn stockings? 100%. Thank you so much. I've got your back. Okay. I I don't feel like that's too much to ask. I'll be on scene for the reporters. (laughs) Thank you. Also, quick content warning here. Yeah, this is a gruesome scene. Yeah. This is the portion of the Crime Watch Daily episode that if you're actually watching it, this is where you start seeing crime scene photos, which are actually pretty explicit yes and we also start hearing those aforementioned tapes of terror and i will attest to the fact that it was unsettling and just heartbreaking very 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 we find out that on that day landy martinez was found tortured bloodied and murdered in the bedroom of his home law enforcement first became aware of a problem in the area when landy before his death made a desperate 911 call The audience now has the opportunity to hear audio from that call, and it is pretty horrible. The 911 operator comes on the line and asks if the caller needs fire or medical, to which Landy immediately begins screaming, quote, send your help, 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 help. They want to kill me. 
please help me. And the operator attempts to get an address, but Landy is just so frantic that he continues just pleading for help. We continue to hear the man screams for help until there are two distinct gunshots, the noise goes silent, and the call disconnects. Oh, I have chills right now. Gut-wrenching. It is. It truly it's is. jarring. It's like something from a, a horror movie. It really, truly is, and but it's not a horror movie. And the thing is, you're sitting there like, this is real life. Yeah, this exactly. This is actual real life, and I'm listening to this, and it's it's real. Ugh, yeah, it's Absolutely. a Absolutely. You can't shake off the bad feeling that you get from this by mm -hmm. being like, okay, this isn't real. It's just a story. This is a story, but it's a real story. It's the actual phone call, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Without an address, police initially only have a broad area to search the area in which Landy's phone had pinged off of the closest cell phone tower. Hold on. And the, the, just for, like, drama's sake, I love that they said finding the tower was like finding a needle in a hundred haystacks. And I'm like, a needle in a haystack would suffice. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's going to be pretty hard. Not a hundred haystacks. I'm, no. <laughs> Maybe the narrator gets paid by word or Could adjective. Be. Could or be. Yeah, and he was like, how can I amp this up a little bit? I have to fill 30 seconds, not 28. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What can I do? What can I do here? Coincidentally, around that same time, Landy's landlord, that's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> you had to Land think about it for a second. <laughs> I did. Landy's landlord, who was out of town, noticed via her smartphone that the security cameras at home had been turned off. I mentioned that that was going to come back up again later. In efforts to try and determine why the cameras had been turned off, she then attempted to contact Landy, but he did not answer his phone. Concerned that something was wrong at the residence, the landlord called police and requested that they perform a welfare check of the property. With officers already in the area, they arrived shortly after Landy's death to discover the gruesome scene. Yeah, and I'm impressed by how fast people were just like out searching, right? Asking yeah. like neighbors if they'd heard or seen anything. And then, of course, she calls and they're already kind of around the area. So it happens pretty quickly. It does. And it's you know, pretty what? impressive. Kudos, St. Pete. Yeah, sure. You seemingly have your shit together, at least with regard to this case. With I this can't. Case. Yeah, I can't speak for others because I don't know a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we know this <laughs> about one. The rest though. We know this one, though. A broken window, signs of forced entry into the back door, and a large 70-inch television which had been removed from its wall mount originally led investigators to believe that Landy's death was the result of a robbery gone wrong. 70-inch TV, though. 70-inch <laughs> I don't TV. think I've ever seen one of those in person before other than like at a Homerama house. <laughs> Sheesh. Suspicion soon turned to two men identified as magazine salesmen who had been in the neighborhood shortly before the crime would have been committed, as well as... Two Hispanic men that were also seen by witnesses, quote, walking at a fast pace from the scene shortly after the crime would have been committed. Further analysis of the interior of Landy's residence reveals evidence that he may have been tortured in the bathroom before being shot once in the head and once in the chest in his bedroom. With that amount of brutality, law enforcement began to suspect that something other than a random robbery turned to homicide may have occurred that rather everyone in Landy's life could be a suspect. It's sad. It's a very it sad case. We learn from Good Judy that up to this point, the people inspecting the crime scene were the officers who had arrived first. So the first responders, if you will. Mm -hmm. But we now have the forensics team show up and they, quote, make a discovery that will turn the investigation upside down. And <laughs> dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. An iPhone was discovered tucked underneath a mattress in Landy's bedroom. On the cell phone, they found a video, a torture tape which depicts the tragic final moments of Landy Martinez's life. Forty seconds of the man crying 
begging, pleading for his life, and asking for forgiveness of the things that he had done wrong to the unseen person behind the lens of the cell phone's camera. All of which further leads law enforcement to believe that this attack on Landy wasn't the result of a robbery, but that this crime was personal. It's just, it's it's very hard to watch. It's insanely hard to watch. It definitely made me tear up a little bit. No one deserved that. No, and, and I mean, it's all in Spanish, too. And even, like, the narrators or the detectives, someone says uh, something along the lines of, you don't need to know Spanish to be able to tell that he's terrified. He's terrified, and he's begging for his life. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely correct. Yeah. Because I didn't understand. But you understood. But I understood. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The video wasn't the only significant piece of evidence found on the iPhone. Remember that strange breakup text messages Jonathan had received from Landy? This too was discovered on the cell phone. And with all other evidence pointing to the fact that Landy had not just been the victim of an unknown intruder, Jonathan immediately became suspect number one. Detectives then made the hour's drive from the crime scene to Jonathan's home, where they not only broke the hard news to him that Landy had been murdered, that he was deceased, but also, and this is a direct quote from the episode from the narrator, they also aggressively questioned Jonathan, end quote. I make it a point to quote that and make sure that everyone understands that that is exactly the way that it was described, because... In response to this, Jonathan reportedly asked the officers who were there questioning him whether or not he needed an attorney, to which those detectives seemed to think this behavior was odd, and they further questioned why Jonathan thought he needed an attorney, thinking that this was an indication of some sort of potential guilt, to which I say... Precisely. Like, why the hell do you think this poor guy believes that he might need an attorney? Right. Because they're treating him like he's a suspect. Exactly. They're not treating him like a grieving loved one. They're treating him like he's a suspect from their own admission, or at least the admission of the person who is telling Mm -hmm. this story to us as the audience members. I just didn't love that. Plus, who gives a damn what it looks like? Yeah. People, we know this because we are slay queens. We are immersed in true crime (laughs) it's our world it's our world people are wrongly convicted of crimes that they did not commit all the time all the time especially people who belong to marginalized minority groups jonathan is a person of color who also happens to be a gay man the very first thing he should have done when they started questioning him was lawyer up in my opinion Mm -hmm. asking for legal help does not a criminal make absolutely not just, they, they, he just knows how things could be perceived because absolutely. of who he is. It's, it's, I, I've been alive long enough. I've seen enough to know I'm going to need a lawyer no matter what I say. Exactly. No matter what I say. Or what I did. Whether or, or not I, <laughs> yeah, whether or not I've had any involvement in this crime that they are questioning me about, I'm going to need some help here. And he's a young guy. He was only, what, like 26? Yeah, I think so. I would shit my pants. Absolutely. How messed up is, ah, like just what a messed up situation. Of all the the kind things we've said thus far Mm -hmm. about this law enforcement agency, this was, for me, the thing that they did wrong. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I can agree with that. And uh, adding strength to that argument or those opinions, we learn that very quickly into their investigation of him, Jonathan was ruled out as a suspect in Landy's murder. His alibi of having been at work when the crime occurred was verified by time card records, co-worker interviews, and video surveillance. Additionally, cell phone records, or cell phone pings rather, 
confirmed that Jonathan was more than 60 miles away from Landy's home when Landy's murder occurred. And all of that information, you couldn't have, like, checked one of those things first or had someone else check first, you know? Exactly. Before you essentially interrogate this poor man in his home. Who just lost his partner. Who just lost his partner. Exactly. Other potential suspects who were found and cleared early in the investigation were the two aforementioned magazine salesmen. Detectives shifted their focus to identifying the two Hispanic men seen fleeing the neighborhood. Surprisingly, this was not a difficult task. Why, you might ask? Because one of the men had previously lived in the area and was recognized by the witnesses. And Ashley, would you care to take a guess (laughs) as to who this person might have been? Please. Mr. Red Flag himself. Mr. Red Flag himself. Yes. Jose Adame, Uh the ex-boyfriend. Yep. Once Jose had been identified, it was relatively easy for investigators to discover that the second man in question was Jose's nephew, who's not named in this episode. Tell me about it. We'll find out why later. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. name. It's not Mm -hmm. easy to find. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. All right. I'm intrigued. Yeah. And now I understand. Yes. I understand where the difficulty might have come from. Uh Uh-huh. After enlisting the help of the U.S. Marshal Service, police were able to locate Jose in North Carolina at his mother's home, I believe they said, Mm -hmm, and place him in custody due to an arrest warrant that had been issued for a completely unrelated case and crime. He was then extradited back to Florida for questioning in the Landy Martinez murder. This portion of the episode allows us the opportunity to hear the interrogation audio of Jose Adame. In this video, he calmly reports that he learned about Landy's death from a mutual friend and also claims to have been in North Carolina when the crime occurred. However, when detectives confront him about the fact that cell phone records, aka, once again, cell phone pings, actually place him in St. Pete near the crime scene when Landy was killed, Jose loses his calm demeanor and actually becomes physically ill. Mm -hmm. He legitimately begins vomiting into a trash can when asked to explain why he was so close to the crime scene when the murder occurred. And I just love how they're so matter-of-fact, like, well, we've got a problem here because... You weren't in North Carolina. You were in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> he just basically buckles. He's like, they're like, how does that happen? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what happens. And I want to say you almost feel sorry for him, but you don't. No. And I love that the one guy's just like, it's all right. Get sick. It's fine. Yeah. Get sick. Get it out. <laughs> yep. You know what's going to make you feel better? If you tell us the Confessing. truth. Confessing. <laughs> uh, for the next two plus hours, Jose adamantly denies any involvement in Landy's death. The closest investigators get to any sort of admission of guilt is at one point they ask him whether or not he loved Landy, to which Jose says yes. They follow that question up by asking, quote, did you want Landy to get killed? Jose's response was simply no, which of course was not enough of a confession to charge him with having had any involvement in the murder. They could, however, keep Jose imprisoned on unrelated burglary charges while they build a stronger case against him. I did think that was pretty nice. At least he doesn't get to walk. Yeah. Yeah. With more time and effort put into the investigation, our friend the narrator lets us know that the puzzle pieces quickly fall into place and we get a clear picture of what actually happened to Landy Martinez on the day of his death. Jose Adame recruited his 16, yes, that's right, 16-year-old nephew to help him air quotes rob Landy with promises of TVs, video games, and computers. Home alone, Landy hears the perpetrator smash a window to make entry into the house. He follows the sound of the breaking glass, only to be confronted and overpowered by the two men. 
Landy is then taken into the bathroom where his hands are duct taped. Is that an appropriate term? Duct taped? Duct taped. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something right. about it just sounded funny. Duct taped. Duct taped in front of him. He's tortured and he's brutalized. The attackers decide to film these acts on Jose's iPhone to possibly keep as a trophy for later viewing. However, in <laughs> what has to rank up there... <laughs> With the 100%. BTK floppy disk fiasco for me uh-huh. as hands down one of the stupidest things yes. I've ever heard of that's a criminal a doing. Yeah, I like that's that. exactly good. what I thought. And I knew that you would appreciate yes, it. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Jose accidentally grabs Landy's cell phone and records the torture video with Landy's cell phone instead of his own. Now, granted, Good Judy does mention that the cell phones were the same make, model, and color. But I mean, come on. I, yeah. you. Mm. <laughs> Not only are you a garbage monster, but you're just an idiot, right? Yeah. And I should probably mention the fact that Jose was the one who sent that breakup text to Jonathan from Landy's cell phone. Yeah. So if I'm speculating here, I imagine the mix-up of the phones probably happened at that time. Totally. He just was not paying attention. Exactly. He just wasn't paying attention. You're in probably like a a frazzled kind of state, I would imagine, you know. But still, stupid. Absolutely. And that's literally what I have in my notes. But still, dot, 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 stupid. Stupid. (laughs) With a capital S. Yeah. Police theorized that the torture in the bathroom lasted approximately two hours. At which time, Landy was locked in his bedroom while Jose and the nephew collected items that they intended to steal from the home. While alone, Landy made the 911 call. Hearing his frantic cries for help, Jose burst into the room and gunned Landy down. But not before the cell phone was tucked away under the mattress. Upon realizing that 911 had been called and that Landy was now dead, Jose and his nephew fled the house leaving behind all the items that they had intended to steal. Additional evidence against Jose included Landy's blood, which was found on the steering wheel of the car he had used to escape to North Carolina, as well as duct tape matching that which had bound the victim's hands, also in the same car. Not a good look. Not a good look. Not looking good for you, Mm -mm. you (laughs) dickbag. For real. And that wasn't even in my notes. I am proud of that. (laughs) You came up with that all on your own. (laughs) All by myself. (laughs) All these things combined gave detectives enough evidence to formally charge Jose with Landy's murder, and the case went to trial. When asked her reaction to seeing Jose in court for the first time, BFF Gail recalls, quote, Jose was overweight and didn't seem like he had any remorse, end quote. And we're not we're not body shaming. We're not weight shaming. That was literally but a like direct he, yeah. quote. It's from... like he didn't get a haircut. He didn't take care of himself. It was like everything just kind of went by the wayside after all of this. Yeah. Is you, what it seemed to me. Which probably had something to do with an emotional state. And... Yeah. The everlasting guilt that he's feeling. Exactly. But I had to make a note of it because that. <laughs> she did say that, though. If that ain't a textbook answer from a gay man's BFF. <laughs> She yeah. was like, girl, he looked like shit and guilty <laughs> AF, you yeah. know? <laughs> That's, That's basically ex- what she should have said. Yeah, yes. <laughs> again, like queer language, what she meant was this. Over the course of the two-day trial, jurors not only saw all the evidence against Jose, but also watched and listened to the tapes of Landy's final moments. Mm. Jose was found guilty of first-degree murder and issued a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. 
And we cut back to BFF Gale telling Jose to, quote, rot in hell, to which I say cheers. Absolutely. That's a good friend. That's right, sis. As far as Jose's 16-year-old nephew, we learn from Sergeant Snipes, who makes another appearance, that despite law enforcement's belief that he was complicit in Landy's death, no charges were ever brought against him. There simply wasn't enough physical evidence against the boy, and Jose actually never went on record as saying that he was involved in Landy's death. We end this episode with a woman named Dechelle Robinson, who is identified as another friend and co-worker of Landy's, saying that Jose's imprisonment brought closure to her, and she hopes that it also did for Landy as well as his family. Going further to say that she knows that with his being sentenced to life in prison, justice has been served. Gruesome case, and I don't want to use the term happy ending, but at least... There's some justice. We're not left, or at least at this point, I don't know what you're about to say, but we're not left feeling cheated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the appropriate people, or the appropriate person at least, was issued the appropriate punishment. I agree. Yeah. Definitely. So. Definitely, and and, and, and that's not going to change, but just like some interesting factuals, you know, from mm. the rest of the family. Or I just love I some good factuals. But it, <laughs> but it just took a, a deep deep dig i mean i'm talking she was sifting through the entire evidence locker for this case i am of depositions and testimonies and yeah girl i got some stuff (laughs) for the folks (laughs) let's take a little break and we'll come back and we will hear that stuff we will hear that stuff all right cool (laughs) we are back 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 again yeah you did it last time time. so i could do it this time That's how we should split it up moving forward, I think. Like, we'll each take a turn. Yeah. yeah. We'll just feel it out who goes first Exactly. I like okay. it. I like it, too. So, are you ready? I am very ready for this. Yes. Please. Let's do it. I'm a Lamborghini. No. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. And I was like, wait a minute. I've heard I'm that somewhere. I'm a little somewhere. bit. Oh, I'm a little la, bit. Yeah. La, la, la. Okay. So, let's just dive in. So, findagrave.com tells us that Landy's burial was unknown, but more specifically, his ashes were spread in... Tampa Bay. The website also says Landy was a murder victim. There is an episode of Murder Calls on Investigation Discovery. It's called If I Can't Have You, which was documenting his life and final days. So is that the one you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that was the one that I had seen, which initially made me familiar with this case. Okay. That was 2017. Okay. Not long ago. Yeah. I watched that at work just kind of randomly. Okay. So that, if you maybe want to like watch something on this, it's a little bit easier to stomach, maybe. (laughs) It definitely is because... It's not as in your face with those Maybe torture like videos and version. yeah, and the the nine one one call and whatnot. Okay, so this kind of is something that I kind of pulled from the Tampa Bay Times, just kind of more on picking up where we left off. So it wasn't until closing arguments in his first degree murder trial that Jose Adame finally showed emotion. He took off his glasses, put his head down on the table, and cried. Prosecutor Jim Hellickson was walking around the courtroom with his hands in prayer position, reminding jurors how 21-year-old Landy Martinez was bound before his, quote, execution in 2011, which is pretty accurate. I mean, if you see the video, that's literally what it looks like. I his just hands got chills. are in prayer position. Yeah. So that was a very, like, it was a good tactic, yeah. you know, for a lawyer to use, because even me thinking about it, I'm like, that would be intense to see. Very him. subtle, but very smart. Mm, absolutely. Quote, was Landy terrorized that morning? Absolutely, Hellickson said. Everything he had done caused terror. 
Tears started rolling down the defendant's cheeks. Adame, 28, faced life in prison without the possibility of parole if convicted of the murder of his ex-boyfriend, which we obviously know happened, thank goodness. The Pinellas, I believe is how it's pronounced. I always want to say Pinellas because Spanish in the back of my mind. (laughs) But the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office said the defendant held the victim prisoner and tortured him for nearly two hours in the Leoman home before shooting him in the chest and the back of the head which was December 21st, 2011, just kind of going, you know, recapping. The defense argued that it wasn't Adame who pulled the trigger, but his nephew, whose name we still don't know, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Adame was in love with the victim. The defense argued that it wasn't Adame who pulled the trigger, but his nephew, whose name we still don't know. After all that hard work. After all of, well... We will, we will, oh, but I'm not. Th- I'm not going to okay. give it to you just yet, right? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I see what, I see what you you're doing. Yet. You're adding a layer of suspense. That's right. I appreciate it. I do. I am. So Adame was in love with the victim. The assistant public defender Allison Miller said there were hard feelings. She said, but no proof that Adame had planned and carried out the murder. Quote: Just because you get broken up with, do you go out and kill someone? Miller said to the jury. I'd argue most relationships end with one party more hurt than the other one. That doesn't mean one person kills the other person. However, the defense admitted that Adame played a role in the murder. He recorded a cell phone video of the victim before his death. But, Miller said, Adame would not have killed the man he loved. During the trial, the state argued to the jury that Landy, I will say Landy's pleas to Jose and Poppy in the video and his call to 911 were proof that Adame was the one who had bound the victim. The defense put a spin on that, though. The victim was pleading with Adame while the nephew was pointing the gun, which this is all speculation. I just think it's interesting what they tried to like play either side by. I I have to respect that. It's a it's a, as a valid argument. It is. It's a very valid argument, which is why I felt like I should include it because I mean we already got an answer, but this is still it's well. A they're question. just trying to create reasonable doubt. Exactly, and that's a really. That is smart way <laughs> of doing it yeah so they say it stands to reason mr adame is the one holding the phone miller said if he's holding the phone the nephew is the one holding the gun no evidence put the gun in adame's hands the public defender said what has the state proven what have they proven to you about whether or not adame pulled that trigger so it is it's just she's bringing up reasonable doubt This article in particular tells us that unless new evidence emerges or the teen confesses, the nephew will remain a free man and Jose will be locked up for the rest of his life. We did some deep digging. Some real deep dive. (laughs) So after about four hours and picking up the next day, we found, well, she found really, Sierra found in the court documents. She, it was one of the depositions from the... State of Florida versus Jose Adame. This is the amendment motion to compel a buccal swab. So to get a swab, a cheek from, the, swab. A cheek swab from mm-hmm. the inside of their of his mouth. So basically, it's it's got all the reasons why. But if you scroll all the way down to this amendment number eight, Joseph Benson told Detective Judy, so our good Judy, good Judy, that the defendant and another man later identified as Leonardo Roel Zavala Adame. There it is. Boom. <laughs> Girl, there is, like, if this was actual paperwork, it would probably be the size of, like, the last Harry Potter book. I swear. But we found it. So I did a little bit more digging. He's in prison. It looked like, I think in 2016 or 15, I believe, he was arrested for DWI and was let out and then broke 
probation. So Got he's it. just back in prison now. As far as I can see, there is no other record. So it's not too exciting, but at least we know that kid. It's it's a possibility. It's a little question mark. Like, really, how involved was he? Because he obviously didn't go anywhere but down from there. Yeah, no, he has clearly continued to live a problematic existence. Yes, yeah, so his it says that his probation is active and... Yeah, he's 20 years old. Well, he's still young enough Mm -hmm. that he can be rehabilitated, and hopefully he will be. But it's also that question, too, of is this just the life you know now? like, Or are you just a guilty party in your own mind so you don't really see the need to contribute to society in a positive way, really? Like, what's going on with this You've accepted your, air quotes, fate as it is, and you're like, well, this is my life. Yeah, so thanks to that ass hat thanks to him you're looking at that's just what my life's gonna be it doesn't have to be it's you know two days of research to find just a damn name but it it made me feel better to know absolutely something something did it make you feel like the most badass of like web sleuths (laughs) kind of kind (laughs) of i actually really love being able to find the court documents and get information from those so it's very gratifying and satisfying oh and we were on like true people search like we were looking up we finally found you know the sister of jose Mm -hmm. so then we're like okay if it's a nephew it has to be like related and it's really hard to find it, literally, you cannot find this person's name unless you find these court documents. Yeah. It's crazy. And I wonder why it's so covered up. Because he was a minor at the time. I, 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 then that's yeah. what I had to think. I had to yeah. figure they, they covered it up in you know 2011 to 2016 when this all happened because he was only 16 years yeah. old. It's very common that minors are protected in that sort of way. But I'm glad I didn't give up because part of me was like, well, maybe I sh- if they made it this hard to find him... Maybe there's a reason. Maybe I don't need to uncover. Maybe I need to just let him live his life. But then when I found out he's in prison, I'm like, well, now I have an answer. And there's nothing to blow the lid off of. But (laughs) you don't feel like you are bringing anything negative. I don't even know how to say that. If he were like a humanitarian now, right? And I just all of a sudden was like, this was the guy who was involved, you know, like, let's not do that. Like if he had really gone out and changed his life and he were doing really great things now and we were speaking of him in a way that tied him to this crime i don't want to bring him back down exactly that would be wrong but since he clearly has not has not grown (laughs) yeah he's not grown and and not yet been rehabilitated Mm -hmm. then we're not bringing him down at all we're just reporting the facts facts. yeah Yeah. it is public record once you know the dang on name (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate all the hard work that you and sierra did to give us that yes and I appreciate you telling the story you with me. The story that was really good. You told, yeah, you did a good job. You this always one, do a good job. This one was was pretty tough. It we've is said difficult. it. We've said it many times, but this one was tough. And it's easy. I think I've said on this platform before, but I know I've said just in life many times. It's really easy for me to emotionally detach from a lot of these stories mm-hmm. and situations that we learn about and that we talk about. And then occasionally you stumble upon one where you can't do that. Because this could happen to any of us. Yeah. And I think it's so easy not to humanize these people when you don't see them as a living, breathing person. It's just images and old videos. But yeah, if you see... you, We literally saw this person living and breathing and begging to not lose his life their last moments of their life and it was 
terrible. Mm-hmm. So definitely content, content, content warning. <laughs> we can't warning. say it enough. <laughs> can't say it enough. But yeah, that's that's what we learned. That's what we got. Uh, he's still in prison. I don't, there's no parole possibilities. Good. There's that. Good. Good. And I hope he thinks about what Landy Martinez every, every day. day of mm-hmm. his life. And I hope that, I hope that he's sorry. And that at some point he decides to do something worthy and of note in his life to attempt he he's not going to be able to make up for what he's done Mm -hmm. for the life that he took but hopefully he at least tries wants to to do some wants to do some good with the time and the resources he has available to him while he's behind bars so thank you ashley thank you wayne and what else do we have to say to the folks Oh, we forgot to do something at the beginning of this we episode. We did. And we, we realized for- it. We forgot to make an announcement. We have an announcement. We do. We do have an announcement. We are partnering with a queer clothing line. That sounds gay. And they can be found. It's spelled like it sounds without the A. So let's say THT sounds gay. And that's on Instagram. You can go to their website, which is the exact same thing thtsoundsgay.com their their bio says still here still queer supporting the lgbtq plus community and it's they are all of their clothing is made in the usa with love and i love that (laughs) but they are yeah we're partnering with them and yeah lgbtq plus apparel and you should go over and check them out and our listeners have the special opportunity to use a promo code for 30% off of your entire order. Mm-hmm. Promo code Slay Queens Pod, just like it sounds. Slay Queens Pod at checkout for, again, 30% off of your entire purchase. That's right. Super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Love that. And love that we. I love their stuff too. Oh, yeah. I've already ordered two shirts. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Super into that. So glad that we thought to get that in yes. at least before the end. We'll I make an announcement maybe next episode because like some people are skippers and maybe didn't hear this part. So that's yeah, fine. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, we're throwing it out there now that we have uh, thought about it. Now that we have thought about yes. it. And we would also like to throw out at you folks that you can support us, find us and do all the good things to us. That's Lake Queen's Pod for on <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, on Instagram, on tiktok nowadays sometimes sometimes we like queens pod at gmail.com exactly and we can be streamed on literally all the platforms and all the places all the platforms for the podcast ear holes for your ear holes Mm -hmm. i like that (laughs) i like that the goodness we would also hope that you folks would go out and slay queens (laughs) just not just not each other other. and not your not your ex-lover either exactly never that never that it's not worth it move on just eat some ben and jerry's it's fine just one pint though and then go to the gym yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) healthy choices healthy choices bye folks bye i'm going away but i won't come back on a lonesome railroad line But I can't forget That sweet little girl Who sleeps in the pine